0: god i I hate my pc so much I can't I mean I know it's it's not it probably not isn't great to start with a gripe, but this thing is so frustrating.
1: <laughs> well you had to restart it before we could even record so that's why it's on the top of your mind
0: well it's I had to restart it twice um the first time I had to restart it was just to get trillo to sync properly um because for some odd reason Microsoft edge does not like to sync um non proprie like to and 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 Trello kind of sync whenever they want to um as opposed to on my Mac, where they sync in real time, uh, so it's that's pretty monumentally frustrating. And then after I got Trillo to to sync itself, then Skype killed itself, so I had to restart it again. So it's it's been an adventure, dude.
1: Always is. Always is with the PC. It seems. Actually, I yeah, have. So I have been uh, relieved of a few frustrations with my PC this week. They uh, they set out an update that fixed my battery problem.
0: Oh, I was gonna say I thought you had checked it out of window or something, so now you no longer have a PC problem.
1: That would be the quickest way to solve all of the problems. <laughs> <laughs> well at least now I can go to I can go somewhere with my surface and not have to bring a power cord.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, monstrous.
1: Uh, speaking of Trello, I just wanted to tell everybody that we're using that for live communication during the show now.
0: Yeah. Which is interesting because I'm I'm seeing you move things as we're talking about them. It's pretty funny.
1: Yeah, we're making uh, show notes and we have topics preset within Trello. But then the reason we're using Trello is because, for example, if I were to bring up one of the topics in my column, I can click and drag it over to topics discuss and then Lamb can see that live, which makes this whole process a lot easier, I think.
0: I'm also presetting the ability to add cards as I talk about them, too. So we'll, we'll see how that works out.
1: It's all about practice I think practice and the right tools yeah you were gonna say something before I interrupted you
0: oh I don't even know I mean it was probably something gripey about pcs again um, maybe <laughs> how it, it randomly chooses when it wants to um, it, I'm running into your device problem um, except it's not with a headphone jack it's with the USB cable um, so now like it, it sometimes it defaults to the microphone sometimes it defaults to the 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 computer microphone and I literally have to go in there and change it uh, back, and it's it's just annoying. It's it's just incredibly annoying.
1: It, I actually I want I wonder if you know like all of our listeners is there's got to be some of them out there that are like PC lovers that prefer PC over Mac. I want to hear from them. Like, what's the deal, guys? Like, do you guys have this many problems, or is there like some magic formula that the rest of the world doesn't understand about PCs? That only an elite few do
0: you know to be honest with you i was a pretty heavy pc user uh i guess maybe five or six years ago uh when i was much more in the gaming world i built you know i was one of those guys that built my own monstrous gaming pc um, and i was operating it on windows 7 and after i had customized windows 7 and optimized it for all of my purposes it actually worked really really well so I imagine that the power users on any version of the OS, um, you know, whether it's Windows 10 or Vista or 7 or whatever it may be, um, have their computers primed to a pretty good level. I just haven't spent the time, nor do I ever see myself spending the time to do that with Windows 10. Um, and I imagine that most users will not. So I don't know how or why um, the, the level of capabilities built into the OS that isn't easily accessible to most normal people.
1: Yeah, because it seems like... A considerable amount of the problems that I have, I mean, there's no manner of of optimizing my Surface that's going to make any difference. Because the device, I mean, like, what are you going to do to that device? You know, it's not like I can add anything to it. I can soup it up at all. And the fact that it's not working, it's a new device, it's not working with this top-of-the-line operating system because there's poor coding going on. And I mean, no matter how powerful your PCs are, these people have to be running into the same problems.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't doubt that. That's got to be, it's got to be a constant struggle for, you know, and especially for the early adopters too. Um, You know, people who are just right out of the the gate using the latest version of Windows 10. Um, I imagine that's got to be pretty monumentally frustrating um, because you're basically guinea pigs. And to a certain extent, if you're an early adopter, you always run the risk of being a guinea pig. Um, I just think that that, there should be at least a certain level of crispness that sh- that can be expected from an operating system um, upon release that, that is at least marginally acceptable. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. I don't know. It just seems like maybe maybe Microsoft's focus is just in a different, completely different place. I mean, not that P- Macs are perfect, but it seems like for the most part, the Mac OS focuses on working <laughs> yeah on a consistent basis and yeah you can't go in you can't soup it up and do all these things that you can do with the pc but you know it's it's back to our honda argument like you buy a honda and it runs and it runs for a long time uh, i don't know i guess we should talk about something other than complaining about pcs
0: <laughs> well t- t- tell me why you're on antibiotics man what happened
1: uh it's that i want to talk about with our viewers our listeners okay <laughs> yeah
0: you feeling okay
1: yeah uh, right. i don't know we'll see once they kick in i'm sleepy that's the main thing
0: <laughs> yeah i'm on i'm on some kind of crazy allergy med too so i'm I'm feeling pretty loopy at the moment as well so our topic should be bouncing all over the place right now should be uh, fun
1: it's a good thing we have this Trello thing set up uh, yeah
0: let's see how that ends up helping
1: so did you get a chance to play around with text expander at all
0: I did not. I mean, I watched uh, your tutorial videos, and then I, I checked out a few random reviews, and 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 I I downloaded it, but I haven't actually had a chance to mess with it yet.
1: It's it's so I've known what Text Expander was for a long time, but I don't think I knew what it was in the sense that like I had a general idea, but I didn't know the capabilities that this thing has. It's it's mind-blowing to me. I always thought it was like I'm like oh, you know, it's like it's that's, that's already built into the Mac and already built into iOS where yeah, I can type in a shortcut and it'll fill in my email address for me or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, if I type in em1, it'll fill it in. Yeah, Text Expander does that too, but Text Expander does so so much more. Like for example, every time we publish one of these episodes, I post it on Reddit and then mm-hmm. The Reddit Forum has a specific format that they want. And 80% of it is repetitious in the sense that it's about the show, not about the particular episode. Mm-hmm. And so basically I have I'm I'm copying in 80% of something that I'm going in and I'm changing the other 20% every every week. And that's not a huge deal. You know, I had it saved in OneNote. Well with Text Expander, I can save that into Text Expander. And then I can set it up to where it's called a fill-in form. So basically when I drop it in, you know, I type in whatever the shortcut I have for it while I'm in Reddit. Boom, it fills everything in. Then I have a pop-up and it asks me to fill out the 20% that I'm missing. And then boom, it puts it all in there for me. Mm. And it's just incredible. Just incredible the things you can do. Like, for example, in the videos, you know, they're showing people using it for emailing their clients. You know, okay, you have a standardized for- letter form that you want to send to your client, but the product and the customer name are going to change every time. Use a fill-in form. Boom. Fills in the whole letter for you. You type in the customer's name, you select the product, email goes out to them and it's personalized and oh. it only took you 15 seconds as opposed to a couple minutes.
0: How much pre pre-hand setup work do you have to do in order to make it so that it recognizes all the things that you're describing?
1: All it is is what you type in. So it's it's literally like, it's as fast as you go in. On the PC, you have to use the browser. They don't have like, the app isn't, um, it's not a standalone app. It works throughout Windows in all of the apps that you use. It works, but they don't have a standalone app for editing your shortcuts, which is not a big deal at all. Um, but you go in basically, and you, you know, you want to make a new one. You go in, you go, okay, let's make a new one. Here's what I wanted to say when i when i use my shortcut here's when i'm going to title it so i know what it is and here's a shortcut save done mm. that's it and then the, the fill in stuff isn't much harder you just say oh i need a fill in thing here okay and it's all it is is dropping short codes in but it's dropping the short codes in that fills the stuff in for you and it's i mean for things that you're typing over and over again for example how often do you ty- type http colon forward slash forward slash a lot right well make a shortcut so that when you type in HTT, it fills in the rest for you interesting that's all crazy of, all of those little seconds right there i mean imagine how much time you're going to swallow back
0: yeah i mean i just from that alone it it, it seems like for me it's it, it seems you know you know the the difficulty for me is that the the initial understanding of how it works seems a little daunting and i think that's probably the reason why i've shied away from trying it um, but I imagine once you get into the, 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 the swing of things, like how long did it really take you to get used to the interface and how it worked?
1: Four minutes.
0: <laughs> okay. I'll download. it.
1: <laughs> it's not, it's not what you think it is. It okay. is, it's not as difficult as you think it is. It's literally, and if you watch those, if you watch those tutorials, like, and, cause they have great tutorials on their site. Somebody else did them for them, but they're like, you know, three to five minute tutorial, like, Oh, how to do a fill in. Once you get like a minute in, you're all, I get the concept. You uh, might, okay. you might watch the other two minutes just because, cause you know, they're going to show you like two more examples. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's so basic in the time saving and we can share stuff. So for example, I can, uh, all the stuff that I set up for this podcast, all the shortcuts I set up for this podcast, I can share it to your account. So oh, interesting. You, So you can use all of those as well. And oh, that's cool. Okay. And they used to be there was a lot of hubbub recently about so smiles the company that makes it. Um, the back to work guys are big fans of this. That's why I know a lot about it. They recently changed their model. So Smile originally had text expander as you purchase the app, you use the app forever, you know whatever they call it, legacy, I guess. Um, now they re- they just changed to the subscription model which is like it's like four something a month uh sure and people freaked out and it's it's kind of ridiculous and silly but you know whatever people are going to freak out about anything and everything which actually transitions us to a topic that is worth mentioning as well the instagram rebrand and people freaking out about a rainbow icon
0: yeah i think it's so inconsequential i mean don't get me wrong the the interface changes are, are more consequential to me they're you know, for a guy who uses um, Instagram for quite a few different purposes, uh, very few of which are personal, um, having a consistent interface is kind of nice. Um, and especially from my perspective, um, I felt like the things that changed didn't need to change. Um, well, for, for the first thing that was a little frustrating to me was how messages worked or comments worked within um the, the 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 messaging feature not the messaging in the comment section if you tagged another person's name it now defaults you to sending them the person a personal message or sending them the the image itself um, in a direct message versus just tagging them directly in the post um, and that doesn't seem like a big deal but it's an extra two clicks for me on my phone whenever it is that I want to share a post with someone or tag someone in a post and that's that's kind of annoying that's that's one of you know, a couple of different features that are, are different from what I'm used to when it comes to how Instagram's interface allows me to communicate with other people within the scope of a post. So, I mean, I don't care about the icon. Um, the notifications are, are a little more bubbly and happy. So, I guess for, for pure visibility's sake, it makes it easier to, to see the notifications on your phone or separate them from other notifications. But overall, I don't really
1: care. I kind of, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I kind of dig it. Like, it's, it stands out there's not a not i mean i have so many green and white and blue apps on my phone i mean like it seems like everybody has got to make an icon that color so to have a crazy different sure. icon sweet it's in a folder i you know i have it hidden in a folder i look i'm like there's instagram i can spot it mm-hmm. while it's mm-hmm. tiny in the folder i'm cool with that but in the long run even if i didn't like it i don't care
0: yeah it's it's a it, minor point it doesn't change functionality at all and it doesn't ultimately affect Um, how, how the, the, the UX is. So I don't, I don't really, I don't really care one way or the other.
1: (laughs) And you know me, I don't really care about Instagram in general anyhow. (laughs) Sure,
0: sure, sure. That's true.
1: I I use it. I use it as a photo poster. That's it. It's not a social, it's not a social media to me. It's a tool.
0: Yeah. And I can't, I can't remember the, yeah, I can't remember the last time I really took Instagram seriously as a, a form of communication among friends. Like I might post on my personal Instagram once a week at best now, you know what I mean? Versus how I use it for business, uh, where I, I have schedules and I'm using Hootsuite and all that kind of stuff. So Instagram's interface is almost irrelevant to me at this point.
1: Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Most of this stuff is irrelevant to me in the long run. It's like, I one one dies, one changes, whatever. You know, yeah. it's the, that market, it's going to, you know, something croaks, another thing will pop up. It doesn't matter. We're just going to spend our lives jumping from apps to apps. People are looking for like these... They're looking at this stuff the wrong way. They're thinking, you know, like, oh, this is going to be with us forever. No, it's not. No. There's no way.
0: I mean, even even Facebook is not going to be with us forever, um, or at least Facebook in its current form.
1: And they have Um, the biggest chance.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, to be honest with you, I I have a feeling that that Facebook's staying power will still be pretty good going into the next decade. But I think it's, it's, it's a limited clunky interface and I think ultimately it's going to evolve. Some other companies going to evolve a better version of social networking that we'll all latch onto. You know what I mean? That's, it's, it's the nature of this, this kind of technological environment. Um, there's almost, there's almost no true mainstays other than hardware and even the hardware, um, has a tendency to evolve past a, a certain, a certain obsolescence. Um, and then we adopt the next thing as, as what we consider to be, um, you know, everyday technology.
1: I think part of my thing too is like I, social media to me was always a thing to share, but it was never a thing to communicate to me. I, I don't. I think that's the problem I've always had with Facebook. Is like when you post something, all of a sudden people have opinions on it, and I I don't I have problems with people's opinions, but it's it's not necessarily that that's what I'm. I'm not trying to open a dialogue every time that I share something. Sometimes sure. I'm just like, this is cool, and you might like looking at it. And and that's it. And it's yeah. It, and that maybe was a, a kind of a jerk way to say that. And I didn't mean it like that. But I mean, from the business standpoint, not from the way people use it, because people are going to use it the way that these businesses set it up. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, regardless. But the way that they set these things up is, they want us to believe that they're they're bringing us together. They're not bringing us together. They're allowing us to share things. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And and. To that end, you know, like for example, going back to your Instagram thing about how it wants you to directly message now, because it's trying to become a messaging app in some in some sense, right? That's why it's doing. Sure. It. They they want mm-hmm. that because when you direct message a post to somebody, you they they're all jumping on the Snapchat thing. It's like, sure. why why does Snapchat work? Why is why is Snapchat successful? Oh, because when you send something to someone, they have to look at it. If they look at it, they saw it. You know, whereas whereas everything in Facebook is passive, it has a more active manner. So, by forcing people to, or not forcing, but trying to steer people into direct message, they're trying to grab a little bit of that magic.
0: Yeah, and there's definitely a forced interaction there too. And I think that, you know, it's funny because because when when I I, I was pretty critical of Snapchat when they turned down the multi billion dollar deal. Um, to purchase them way back in the day. And now I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm now finding myself going back on that. You know, Maybe it was a very smart decision for them to hold on to um, their interface and their functionality. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong, though. I don't know how much of it is, is just incredibly intuitive foresight and just dumb luck when it comes to the, the, the business world. But I definitely do think that they did make a right choice now by holding on and not selling at the time in which they were offered the deal that they were offered. So it's, an, it's interesting though it's 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 I'm curious just as to to what the landscape is going to look like now now that they're they they've gained such a strong and rabid user base. Yeah, so we'll it, see.
1: It's an interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they end up monetizing because other than within direct messages, there's not really a way to link to other things. So you're not going to be sending mm-hmm. people to products. Um, and I understand like it's a content creation thing. It's very much in a way it's like YouTube in the sense of, you know like you're viewing this but at the same time even among YouTube users there is a, ne- a necessity for notes within and, and links within the description so video doesn't always fill that that gap 100%. So how they're going to monetize that will be an interesting thing. They're getting some very interesting deals. They're making some very interesting influential influential choices, I think they're they're changing the landscape a lot. But they they might run into the Twitter problem of where's the money coming from?
0: Sure, and it's it's interesting too, like in, in describing you know because that was one of the first thought experiments that popped in my brain when Snapchat was starting to roll back um, into its prominence was, you know, how are businesses going to use this in order to 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 monetize? And I think that the the only place I've seen it used really really well is. Um, um, you know, with companies allowing certain people to take over their Snapchat channels. Uh, for example, there you know there are golf companies in the golf world that allow certain golf pros to just basically take control of their Snapchat for a day. So you get to see a much more personal view of their lives. It's it's actually a pretty interesting way to, to to define your brand and to show off the 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 the, the people you endorse. You know, it's it's pretty cool actually. So you know, for 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 me, it was really interesting to see how certain. Golfers um, went about their days when it came to tournaments or, or preparation or whatever it was. So for me, that was actually a really interesting, really interesting glimpse into not only the, the business itself but the people who who support that business. So it's it's I actually find it to be a, 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 a I, I actually don't think monetization will be that difficult. In a lot of senses, I feel like it's going to be a very strong loss leader with very very little downside and a lot of upside.
1: I think there's a an inherent intimacy to Snapchat that um i mean like even the first time like i i pulled that app and i'm like oh i don't i don't know if i want to you know this is way before i started vlogging but i was like i don't know if i want to talk to the camera and and there's an in there's an intimate thing there and leveraged correctly it's very powerful i just can't i can figure out how brands are going to make money off of it i just mm-hmm. don't know how snapchat's going to make money off of the brands um sure you know like i think that uh, i'm I'm sure somebody's doing it, but like, you know, fashion shows and stuff like that on Snapchat. Amazing idea. Yeah, it's um, a great idea. Imagine the stuff, you know, like anything product based that's on Snapchat. If they if somebody's doing it right, it can be magic. I've heard the Taco Bell Snapchat is amazing.
0: Yeah, it's really funny, actually.
1: <laughs> and and that's, uh, I think that there, that was the big surprise to me about Snapchat was, you know, Snapchat, it was like a little kid thing. You know, like, oh, you make the funny face or whatever. But somehow it tapped into something in all of us that was like, yeah, I kind of like being silly. I kind of yeah. like making myself into a unicorn that pukes a rainbow. And for brands to step out of, you know, the stuffiness and, and do stuff where they're just like drawing sloppily on the screen and, and stuff like that, that is opening them up. To us in a way that they've never opened up to us before and there's a magic to that
0: Yeah, and I think the the I think it's it's this movement towards What I'm starting to see a lot in the advertising world because I still do work a little bit in that world too as well Is that a lot of the the design firms um, and ad agencies are getting younger and I think because of that there? You know if we if we look at Facebook and even if we look at Instagram to a certain extent that they There's a certain sense now that they take themselves a little too seriously um, and you know, I think I think looking at the the memorable ad campaigns over the last you know two decades, like we think about um, you know the the jack the Jack uh, campaign with Jack in the Box, you know what uh, what also pops to mind in my head is the the old spice commercials with <laughs> uh, the myriad of just insanity that 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 they've gone through with their their ad campaigns. And even lately, I, one of the ones that that caught my eye was, um, I believe it's northern the toilet paper company. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were making fun of hipsters. Um, and so what they did was they were, they released a, a bunch, this commercial that was really long, actually, that was talking about artisan toilet paper. Um, <laughs> and, and they were doing things like original birch and like unfinished. And it was really, really funny. It was hilarious. And it showed this, you know, bearded guy with the slicked back hair, like your, your typical hipster, like, you know, just carving away at this piece of piece of redwood. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, And it showed this woman, you know, who had just used the toilet paper and she sits down all gingerly because, you know, it's coarse toilet. It's basically tree bark. Right. And I thought it was really funny. And I thought that it was because how interesting can you possibly make toilet paper? You know what I mean? And at that point, you know what toilet paper does. So there's not really any unique technology that can go into a piece of paper um, that's going to make it revolutionarily different from any other piece of toilet paper you're going (laughs) to use. So how do you make your brand recognizable? You make something really really, really funny that people will latch onto and share, and that's exactly what they did, and I thought it was brilliant
1: yeah I think that that's um, that's the advantage of these younger people getting into the advertising field you know the, like you have Gary Vanderchuk's um his his advertising firm they're just looking at all these like he keeps plugging musically which is like just like a I guess it's like a karaoke app or something I don't know it doesn't really matter. But just like looking for these new avenues, mm-hmm. it's so refreshing because for so long, advertising was about doing the same thing, doing it the same way, using yeah. the same, you know, like getting this down to a science. Now it's about experimentation because you know what? With the internet, you would think that we would have more analytics. But in reality, the more analytics you get on stuff like this, the less information you have. Sure, And look, look at our analytics on our on, on this podcast. I can tell you how many downloads we had. I can't tell you how many people listened to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can't tell you how long they listened. I can't tell you what age they are. I can't tell you what sex they are. What country they're in. All I can tell you is downloads. That's it. Yeah. And it's 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 the same with social media. All these other things, you know, like Snapchat. There is no analytics. You just, you know, it's like, did people view this? Yes. And I think that's what people are loving about it is it's just, it's boiled it down to one thing Mm -hmm. where it's like, did I get views? Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's, that's funny that you say that because it goes back to one of the very early topics we spoke to on the, or spoke on, uh, on the podcast, uh, which is how useless metrics are when it comes to certain social media platforms like Instagram, for example, Uh, the number of views and the number of likes is the only metric you have. I mean, unless you physically go through, and and look at every single like and every single view you have no real clear idea about whether who your cross-section is you just know that it's it's being viewed and i think in a lot of ways that's i'm starting to see that as more and more helpful um i originally thought that it wasn't because i i i i I cared so much about the data but now because i don't focus so much on the individual pieces of data i can just create content that i know will be seen you know
1: right and and the thing about these analytics too is just like, how far can you dig into it really to get you know like sure I even if I could tell you like YouTube I can tell you what sex and what age group and all of these other things I can I can tell you all of that, but what mm-hmm. I can't tell you is whether people liked it, whether yeah. they were paying attention, what yeah. about it they connected with you know all of those things those are the most important things, and those are the things you're never going to get without you know, without interviewing your own audience.
0: Sure. How do you feel? I mean, what, because I, I know with your, your, your blog, the, the views kind of spike and there's, there's an ebb and flow to it. Um, have you found any useful morsels of data that allow you to, to figure out what works and what doesn't?
1: Uh, no, <laughs> what I, what I, what I can tell you is this, this is what I've learned. When some people don't feel like watching, it seems like almost everybody doesn't feel like watching.
0: <laughs> wow, that's weird. That's got to be a timing thing,
1: that's you know. And it's weird. There's a there's a weird phenomena that I've been noticing. It, it it keeps evolving and changing. You know, like I used to, people talk about the first uh, twenty four hours of YouTube video is the most important, and it definitely is. There's no doubt about that. But I've noticed that uh, for my vlog in the last maybe two weeks. Mm -hmm. it's expanded to almost 36 hours. I will get, I will look and sometimes I'm like, whoa, I got like no views. And then I just, you know, move on. I'm on the next vlog. And then when I'm going through YouTube to do something else, I'll see everything all grouped together and I'll see that one video that had like no views. And I'm like, whoa, that was the biggest video of the week. All of a sudden it got a ton of views, but it happened way after that initial 24 hours.
0: I think with vlogs, it's a little different. I mean, I think that the viral video thing definitely matters much more within the first 24 to 48 hours. But with vlogs, especially if your your viewership is consistent, I think that people watch it when they can. Like I know with me and your vlog, for example, I, I, I typically end up not watching them on the days that they're published. I usually watch them, um, you know, I, I binge them two or three at a time and I usually do it at, at the beginning or the end of the week. So I know that that at least from that perspective, because the the content, you can expect the content to come out at a certain time. That I have no real sense of urgency to watch it right away. So that actually makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, for example, like I'm looking at at my YouTube right now, and I've got five of Casey Neistat's videos in the bank that I haven't watched yet, and two of Wheezy Waiters. So you know, so like I'm I'm doing it myself and. It's true. When you're putting out daily content, it's hard. It's hard to believe that people are going to watch it every day. They yeah. they might watch all of them, but they're not necessarily going to watch them every day. Um, yeah. I try to because it's really fun to you know check in, especially on Casey and and because he's inspiring. So just to see him once a day, it gets me going. But obviously, I've gone five days, so <laughs> I'm not pushing too too hard for that. Uh, speaking of YouTube, uh, that steers us into a topic I wanted to bring up. Um, YouTube is building in a messaging app within. This actually relates to the Instagram thing, too. Mm-hmm. And to me, this makes a huge amount of sense because actually, at one point, I had tweeted YouTube and said, um, Is there a way for creators on YouTube to communicate to each other better? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, some, like you've got your. Especially in the vlog community, you've got your fellow vloggers. These are you know, these are your as I called it in my video, my YouTube gang. And you're you're checking out their stuff, you're helping them, they're helping you, they're checking out your stuff. But sometimes you need to communicate and you don't want to do that in the comments of a video. You know, especially like if you're planning a collaboration or something, but you might not know these people well enough to be like, here's my phone number. Sure. So I seeing that they're making a messaging app. I think that's huge, but I, I, I still think they need to, to work on the way the comments work. It's, it's really, really hard to keep up with comments as a YouTube poster unless you go straight up to the internet and you go to the video and scroll down, you know, like, and that's using all the notifications to keep up. It just doesn't work.
0: You know what I'm really curious about? Speaking of messaging, and this is kind of off topic, but but on topic in a weird kind of way, too, is I'm I'm curious as to which one of the 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 viewing platforms, uh, you know, Netflix, HBO, Go, Amazon Prime, which one's going to have a live messaging feature first? Um the reason I'm really curious about that one is, can you? I think something that's really missing from from a lot of the experiences that we have with TV shows is the ability to sit in the same room with friends and watch something. You know what I mean? So I actually, I'm I'm curious as to whether or not anyone's actually going to try that.
1: Oh, there was there was some uh, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was called Glue, and then it became something else. There was a sort of social media it was It was an earlier time, so it might not have fit into that bubble um but essentially the you would follow people just like you do on social media, but when you would um watch a TV show for example, all you could do on this thing was "I'm watching this or I'm reading this," mm-hmm. and then you could talk back and forth with other people who were watching it or reading it at the time and it that I think it was ahead of its time, but you're absolutely right, and if I were to put my money on it, I'd put it on Netflix. Netflix is they're the they're the they're the ones who's always ready to go into no man's land first. Everything yeah. everything everybody else has done has followed them.
0: Yeah, but I am still concerned for Netflix. I mean, it, the, Netflix is definitely one of those companies that's very similar to um, Facebook in the sense that we always make the natural assumption that they're always just going to be around. But I'm curious as to how far HBO Go and Amazon Prime are going to give them. A run for their money when it comes to, to the, the future of, 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 you know, live stream or, um, of, of streaming. Uh, just because, I mean, I know that the war is kind of brewing between everybody and a lot of it has, I, I, am I'm, I'm frustrated. I, I remember one of the notes that I saw of yours, um, which is hilarious cause this is all happening real time and I'm watching you move things in Trello. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. It's one of the things that I actually wanted to talk to you about when I saw the original note, which was, you know, to this day, there is still no, um, there's still no Amazon app for Apple TV. Um, the Amazon prime video app still has no Chromecast support. And I wonder how much of a war is, 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 is brewing in the background when it comes to how these streaming, these streaming companies are ultimately going to, you know, drop the landscape when it comes to the content.
1: Well, I wasn't aware that there was no Chromecast support. That's kind of strange though. I mean, what, what competition is there? Yeah, I
0: don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess
1: fire TV, yeah, no,
0: there, yeah, maybe there's there's no Chromecast support, um, and also, which is weird because for for Netflix there is Chromecast support, and YouTube there's also Chromecast support. So I don't know how or why Amazon's um, video team decided not to do that.
1: I think that they're making a lot of mistakes. Like that the the choice not to be on Apple TV for this long is mm-hmm. stupid. I was actually literally just reading something maybe an hour ago. Um, where somebody was saying that they thought that the reason that Apple, I mean that Amazon had chosen not to do an Apple TV app wasn't for the same reason that everybody thought. Everybody thought it was like a you know a, a middle a big middle finger to Apple. Um, in reality, what this person was saying, they thought it was about the percentage. Mm-hmm. You know, because Apple would take thirty percent, and looking at Amazon's track record with Apple. I believe that that's probably true because um if you look at the Kindle app you can't buy a Kindle book in the Kindle I- iOS app. You have sure. to sign on to Amazon, buy it and then go back to your phone or iPad and now you can now you can read it.
0: What well, I think that what Amazon is gearing themselves up to and this is a lot of this is a lot of background stuff um that a lot of people don't really pay attention to, but Amazon is one of the biggest um cloud companies in the world so a lot of the the cloud backbones that a lot of companies operate on are are amazon uh, amazon clouds mm-hmm. and i think that there's i think that what amazon is attempting to do is 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 forcing people into their ecosystem before the ecosystem exists and I think that ultimately their goal is to create an ecosystem kind of like Apple's where it's, it's a one stop shop and, and everything that you need to do from a productivity or entertainment perspective can all be done through an Amazon cloud. And right now I think that they're preparing people for that, but I think they're jumping the gun because most of the tools and most of the, 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 the avenues that you need for entertainment are not quite ready yet. You know like even the amazon prime video app for example is not a great app um Netflix, netflix's interface is definitely better um so i don't know i don't i don't i don't know i don't know what i don't know what that landscape's going to look like moving forward but i definitely think that amazon is trying to create an amalgam of all of these different ecosystems and and create one kind of end-all be-all um, ecosystem that everyone will have to rely on for both productivity as well as for entertainment
1: and i wonder i wonder i mean there's part of me that initially thinks that's that's dumb and then another part of me is like maybe it's smart but ultimately i think that this idea of forcing people into ecosystems um from a narrow business point of view it's very mm-hmm. it's very smart um for a long term it's very dumb uh for example not having that amazon app on the apple tv means i haven't watched a single thing on amazon prime since I got the Apple TV. Nothing. Yeah, not one it, show, nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, re- I rely so much on my Chromecast um, that I will essentially live in, you know, and I have an Amazon Prime account and I paid annually, but I'm kind of regretting that now just because I, I don't use Amazon Prime video or or music because neither of them have Chromecast support and I'm using Chromecast so much for my other stuff. You know, I don't want to watch my, my Amazon Prime movies on my phone and I, I also don't want to open it up in a browser window and because you can still you can you can actually still just Chromecast from a browser window from right. the Chrome browser itself. Um, but I don't want to go through all that. I mean, I want to watch it on my phone. I control Netflix through my phone and I can Chromecast through my phone. So why why not let me just do that? If you're you know, so that's that to me is is um, a kind of a weird oversight. I'm not sure what Amazon's ultimate strategy is with that. But if they're going to, if they're going to force people into an ecosystem, that ecosystem better exist.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of, and that's why I think that like some of it is smart business choices and some of it is just bad because there are certain things where I'm like, no, this is proof that they don't, that are not maniacal enough to have a beautiful plan. For example, like, like just looking to like, okay, you want to watch a TV show in Amazon prime, Right. It pulls up the episodes a la carte, which is just, like, if I type in, I go in and I type in, um, I don't know, Firefly. It's not going to just go, here's Firefly the show, and then I click on that and show me all the episodes. It's going to parse out every single episode, and I have to scroll through the interface. This And this is on their own website. Mm-hmm. Scroll through the interface, go to the next page, go to the next page, until I find the episode I want. And that's not not good user interface in any way shape or form
0: yeah and, that's bad news
1: and another thing that baffles me too is that youtube's app on apple tv there's no way to like a video mm-hmm. that's the core feature of youtube is liking videos
0: yeah that's kind of a surprise to me i'm shocked that they didn't do that um
1: it's not like it would be hard it's a two-button system like dislike that's it
0: yeah it's very very strange i I don't understand how or why that's the case with 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 youtube um considering how how and that that has to be an apple side thing, not a YouTube thing because I think the the folks over at YouTube are smarter than that but but I could be wrong i I don't know
1: here's what I think. I think that they're getting ready to phase out the thumbs up and thumbs down and uh, The reason I say that is because I know for a fact that they've been focusing their analytics um not their analytics I'm sorry they've been focusing their the, the way that you get featured as a YouTuber um, is based on a score. Mm-hmm. And the score used to be based on views and likes. Now it weighs heavily more on watch time and subscriptions. So a channel that has more subscriptions and longer watch time, it's based on percentage, obviously. So like if I have a five minute video and people only watch 30 seconds, I have a low score. But if I have a five-minute video and ninety percent of my people watch all five minutes, I have a high score, and that's weighed more heavily than the likes. So I think they're they're moving to a TV uh, to a TV ratings model,
0: which in a sense to me seems a little bit smarter. Um, but I also don't understand how then a, a, a user or a content creator can actually use that to gauge. The success. I mean, what metric shows up on the actual video itself? If, if not likes or views.
1: Well, anybody that puts up a video, you you have access to vast analytics. YouTube's analytics yeah. for the creators is vast. I can. I mean, I can go into here. Let me click it right now, and I'll tell you all of the. Well, maybe not all of them. I'll tell you a few of the fields that you can see. I mean, I've already mentioned that you can see age sex but even the age group it's broken into age groups it gives you a percentage of your audience for that age group Mm -hmm. um it's getting so i have the first thing that pops up this is just more proof for me i click overview of analytics the first analytic that pops up it's watch time average Mm -hmm. view duration is number two then comes views then estimated revenue gotcha so I mean, when you break down in this, like I can see, I have seventy-seven percent of my viewers are in the United States. It, it, I can see what browsers they're using. The, the analytics are insane in YouTube, mm. but it's Google, so don't be surprised.
0: Do you find the, do you find most of those analytics actually useful?
1: I I don't get caught up in analytics. Um, mm. I just I feel like like we're going back to what we were saying. It doesn't. It doesn't tell you as much as people think it does, you know. Like, okay, I can say like my number, w- my number one watch time for what is this? I don't know what the what the time period I'm looking at right here for mm-hmm. the last month. There it is. My la- my my top video is uh, the one about Sarah and Collins' garage sale. Yeah. Now, I <laughs> am I supposed to, I uh, am I am I supposed to say, oh, that means people like watching uh, people's yard sales. Maybe. Does that mean that people like Sarah and Colin? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Or could it just be that Joy and Sarah look beautiful in the thumbnail that I put up and people wanted to click on two beautiful girls? That's probably the likely one, but I can't say for 100%. <laughs> and and that's what I mean. Like I don't get caught up in the analytics because how much time do I have to really sit around and decipher all of that? is I just stick to and putting cons- putting stuff up and moving forward
0: and considering what your vlog is intended for, I'm sure that 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 that's ultimately it's not about that anyway, so that makes sense
1: it's just it's insane. I mean these people get too wrapped up in this stuff, and then it I think that when you get too wrapped up in in analytics as a creator
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh it sets you up for disappointment because you're going to yeah, sure. you're going to find that what you think you're you're interpreting, it's gonna lead to disappointments because you're putting so much into it. Um, and what you should be focusing it on is whether you're making stuff you like.
0: Sure. And I think that's that's ultimately the thing too, is that you if you focus too much on analytics, then you end up you end up starting to, to whether you like it or not, you're gonna pander. You know, that's just the nature of that. And I think that that's the, the struggle that I keep trying to, to push through with Crystal is that, you know, obviously she's not she's not inherently a creative person when it comes to marketing or advertising. So she's very much focused on what her audience wants and. Um, And I keep telling her that at least on some level, it can't be about what your audience wants. It has to be about what you want. What would you watch? You know, what would you care about seeing if you were if you're a part of your own demographic when it comes to what you're projecting for your sales? Then then you don't have to look any further for yourself to find the answer to those questions. You know what? What video would compel you enough to watch it for a minute and a half? And what what content would have to be contained within it to keep your interest and or to prompt you to keep watching content from that creator?
1: And that's, that's the thing that's important for people to understand. I was actually literally just in a conversation about this um, with somebody in this Facebook group. And what I was saying is, like, you as a creator, you dictate what people see. Sure. They decide whether they want to watch it or not, but it's your job to lead, not to follow. It's your job to lead. Mm-hmm. And who you get to follow you, those are the people that you want. And the people who don't like it, you know, the people, like, going back to the killing – People who didn't like the killing, well, guess what? The show wasn't for them. Sure, and that's okay. Just like Lars von Trier, you know, who people who like his movies, cool. Whoever they are, that's for them. And he's not going to he's not going to make his next movie more palatable because I hated Antichrist and Pyram, uh, whatever. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Pyromaniac. And, and, and that's, that's because they're creators and and that's what you have to decide. Are you a creator or are you a marketer? Yeah. Because a marketer is nothing but, um, analysis and all these things. But at a say, at a certain point, a marketer makes a choice too.
0: It's interesting that you put it that way. Um, but that's very much the case. Um, you know, when you're—I remember my design world. Um, you know, in my early twenties, when I when I was fresh and young and wanted to to do design for the rest of my life, I remember at some point an art director asking me that same question. You know, are you are you into marketing? Are you into creating? Because those are two inherently different things. And at some point, you have to choose one or the other because there's no real way to do both um, and be successful at both. Um, you. you but his, his ultimate kernel of wisdom that stuck with me was if you create original content that's really interesting to you, then it will, it will be successful whether you like it or not. And I think that that's an important point to, to, to keep for, for anyone out there who is creating content. You know, don't pander to an audience. Just create quality versions of what you like and the audience will find you.
1: Absolutely. And, and one of your notes here is about how it, it literally says John Malkovich is an amazing weirdo. and Yeah. Why? But we love John Malkovich. Those people who love John Malkovich love him because he's doing exactly what you're talking about. He makes the movies. He picks the roles that he wants to do. He's not pan. You know, people aren't telling him, "Oh, well, we we sure wish that you would play the president of the United States." He's not worried about that. He's worried about some weird, crazy role that he wants because he's a weirdo, and he's happy with that. And that's the way we like him too.
0: And it's funny that you say that, because I, I I don't really think of John Malkovich when it comes to content creators, but, you know, he's he's very much his own content creator in the sense that when I see Malkovich's name attached to a movie, the, the chances of me watching that movie have exponentially increased, you know? Like, I think there's there's one out there, um, there's a movie called Rounders. Um, I that's was going to bring
1: oh, it up, too.
0: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Where, you know, it's it's basically Matt Damon's journey through the, the underground seedy cash game poker world. And John Malkovich is this this like this this honor driven, old school, successful poker player. And he has this he has like one of the worst Russian accents I've ever heard in my life in that movie. <laughs> And and this this one line just sticks out to me is like pay this man he's Miani and like I'm like dude Malkovich what accent is that I don't even I understand. the
1: pots whenever that f I I want. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so, like almost uh, Swedish at certain points.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I don't understand. I don't have. I don't have. You but know, it's like, oh, so what?
1: good though.
0: Oh yeah. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's absolutely incredible, but you're right. Like it's, it's, it's because he's such a strange guy and his products are very much handpicked by him. So in a, in a very, in a very defined way, he is a content creator, even though he is, he is the, both the creator as well as the participant when it comes to the content itself.
1: Yeah, And I mean, he's, I mean, acting is creation. You have to create a character and you have to embody that. If you're a good actor, um, you have to embody that character, you have to bring them to life. And oftentimes, you know, a lot of people don't know, but these actors are building backstories of these characters that you're never gonna know anything about. But they've mm-hmm. built it up, especially if they're method actors. Sure. Um, which I'm not, is I don't think Malkovich is a method actor.
0: I don't know if he is.
1: I feel like I would know that if he was. Um, what have you been watching?
0: Um, I went and I watched um uh, Civil War uh, Captain America uh, Civil War um, and I feel about Civil War like I think you might have felt about Age of Ultron from the Avengers um, in that it was probably one of the most fun movies I'd ever seen um, I absolutely loved that movie and I loved li- I loved it on many levels Um And I, I highly, it, it, in my opinion thus far is the best Marvel movie, um, in that collection. And that is saying something considering how much I liked some of the other movies. Wow! So that, that one's definitely on my list of, I mean, I thought age of Ultron was pretty good, but civil war just blows it out of the water. It is such a good movie. Um, and you know it's 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 a movie that is accessible by all ages but still has an air of seriousness that that adults can can really gravitate towards because I think for me that's where the force awakens kind of falls short um, in that. It's not really adult enough for me, for me to to take it seriously versus um, a movie like Civil War, which dealt with some very interesting social issues um, on top of being a very fun action movie. And it also injected humor in parts that I didn't think were possible in a movie as serious as it was. So I actually really, really liked it.
1: I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to see it, but I hate going to the theater.
0: <laughs> oh, I hear you. I, ha- I had to go see it on a random Monday. I, there's no way. I, I, I steer clear of, of movie theaters on opening weekend like Plague, so I didn't even attempt to see it on the, the opening weekend. I waited uh, uh, at least four days later.
1: <laughs> but I did go to the theater recently. I, w- I went for Mother's Day because my mom wanted to go to see a movie, and the, crazy, the weirdest thing happened to me while I'm in there. I've never experienced this before, and it, it's just a symptom of, of modern times. I'm sitting, it's a small theater that we went to and I'm sitting in my seat and there's like two, I think two rows in front of me. And then there's that gap, you know, there's always a gap of seats for the Mm -hmm. walkway. There's the gap. And then there's people down there. And then two, two rows in, in front of that gap, there's this, this woman and she's watching television on her phone while we're waiting for the movie to start, Um, which is fine, you know, whatever, but it's, Kind of trippy like mind blowing where i'm like she 's watching TV waiting for a movie, but then I realize that she has it loud enough, and the screen is big enough that I can watch too <laughs> and she 's watching Bones, which is a show I enjoy mm-hmm. um, but then I realize that she 's watching episodes from this current season, which i haven 't oh. started watching yet, oh. and I realize that I am trapped in the seat, and this woman is quite possibly about to ruin a season of a TV show for me because oh, man. I can't not hear it and as much as I'm trying to listen to you know the people around me talk and stuff like that and not look at the screen of course that's what my brain wants to hear my brain sure. wants to see and <laughs> that is a weird weird experience
0: wow that's interesting I never yeah I guess that makes sense though I mean I'm shocked that you didn't have headphones in that's kind of odd what movie did you end up going to see? What'd you guys watch?
1: Uh, Mother's Day. <laughs> That's that was what what the movie was called.
0: Really? Yeah, <laughs> I, I had no idea that was even a movie.
1: Me neither. It wasn't mm. half bad. considering that I expected it to be fifty times worse. Um, it was kind of funny. I don't know. Nothing I want to talk about. But what I do want to talk about, comic book wise though, is so you remember I complained about that Justice League cartoon. mm Hmm. And how? Oh, I didn't complain, but I said it wasn't as good as um, the Marvel Avengers cartoon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to eat a little bit of crow on that because the second season of that was pretty fantastic. Like, there was a few episodes of this Justice League cartoon that I was, I found myself looking up at the screen, going, "Whoa, this is is this for kids?" And and it just it was very well written and very dramatic and yeah. and I was there's i'm I'm at a loss for words. it just kind of blew me away and then because of that I started watching the flash t v show, and I don't know why I just think I just saw it and I clicked it and it's really good too, like really good and yeah. i mean I'm addicted to it, and yeah, I'm shocked I actually really liked it too it's it's something about it um there's something about the vibe of it that reminds me of Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um the quirkiness of the characters, the way the characters interact. Um you know, like where they have people from the Arrow, which I haven't seen, but they have people from the Arrow showing up in there on a regular basis. It feels very much like the Buffy Angel thing. Sure. Um but it's it's really well done and Tom Cavanaugh is fantastic. Uh Yeah, yeah. It's it's I am I'm surprised to the point that between those two shows, I've always been a Marvel person. Now all of a sudden I'm like, I, I feel like I need to read some DC comics because I'm now all of a sudden I'm fascinated by the whole, you know, the flash and the reverse flash and all this stuff. Like, I'm like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. Now I want to read it. So I bought a, I bought a justice league trade book and I just mm. bought it today and I'm going to read it because now I'm fascinated by DC. I actually
0: thought Arrow was pretty good, too. Um, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, I definitely, you're going to get much more of a Buffy vibe once you start watching Arrow as well. Um, it's actually pretty amusing to watch them back to back. So, you know, watching an episode of The Flash and then going over and watching an episode of, uh, of um, um, Arrow, just because they do jump back and forth between each other's universes pretty often. It's pretty cool. It's, it's actually really interesting to see them do that.
1: What, what network was Buffy on?
0: Um, was it on CW? I, I think it was whatever the CW was before the CW was the CW. Was it the WB?
1: Yeah, they're, they're, that's the same network.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think it was on the WB. Um, so it's the same network, but it was before the CW changed this name.
1: I wonder if that's why they. I wonder if that's why they went for that vibe. They're like, this really worked. This formula, mm-hmm. and yeah. I I I don't think it was a bad choice. I was shocked. I I thought it was going to be cheesy and ridiculous, but it's it's really well done. And I, yeah,
0: and I mean, I, did, I didn't feel any real cheese at all. Like the characters seem really believable. Like the the the, I, I think there's a lot of conflict within the character. Like especially with how the Flash kind of starts to develop his powers and use them. He doesn't know what the heck he's doing, and I really like that. Um, and I like how clumsy he is with his powers. Like I, I hate it when, you know, like one of my my biggest gripes on Man of Steel, um, that Superman movie, um, beyond the fact that Zack Snyder is. I I still, I have my gripes about Zack Snyder, but that's beside the point. General Zod, who, um, you know, is the primary villain in in that first Man of Steel movie. Um, So it takes Clark Kent slash Superman slash Kal-El his entire lifetime to adapt to using these powers. Because, you know, all of a sudden, just imagine if you just woke up one morning and you could shoot laser beams out of your eyes. You had x-ray vision. You had unlimited strength, the ability to fly um, and pretty much, Un, just limitless invulnerability. Like you could get hit by a truck and you'd be fine. Imagine if you just woke up one morning and you had those powers. Well, that's what happens to Zod. He essentially shows up on, on Earth and all of a sudden he has these powers. There's no way that you would you would not have a dramatic and horrible feel-out period of those powers. And all of a sudden he can use these powers. That to me is just... That, that's just blatantly irresponsible storytelling and i feel like the flash and and arrow well arrow doesn't have any special powers but the flash is a good example where he's just kind of a bumbling nerd and he's just trying to figure it all out and i think that's really it, for me that makes me identify with his character much much better and and believe that that he can exist within the universe and have to make all of these choices in order to become the superhero that we ultimately know that he will become you know i think the journey the journey itself is really interesting
1: yeah and there's there's a a surprising amount of complexity. I don't want to. There's, there's. I think you know the characters that I'm talking about that are surprisingly complex. That you're not yeah. sure how you feel about. But I don't want to say it here because it will ruin the show for people who haven't seen it. Sure. Um. But that complexity of like the, knowing that you're like I don't like this person. Okay, maybe I like this person. It, in a way, it reminds me of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. The way they have the ability to. Take a character you hate, make you love them, and then make you hate them again, like Jamie Lannister.
0: Oh, I love Jamie Lannister still, though. I know a lot of people... You know why I I, I like Jamie Lannister? Because when I read the books, I could always kind of see where he was coming from, so I could get why he was a jerk. I mean, it doesn't justify why he's a jerk and why he's so callous and heartless sometimes, but I get where he's coming from, so I can't hate him. Um, I even kind of... I kind of like Cersei Lannister because she ultimately is just trying to protect her kids in a weird kind of way. You yeah, know? she's so,
1: one of those other dually complex characters where you're like, yeah, absolutely. I hate you, but I totally get you.
0: You know who I've always liked, though? Tyrion. Tyrion Tyrion. Tyrion I've always liked. I mean, Tyrion's just awesome.
1: <laughs> I was just saying that to somebody, I think it was two weeks ago when I was watching the second episode of the season. The one character that they could kill off that would have me stop watching the show is Tyrion
0: yeah I think that's me you were talking to.
1: <laughs> oh, it might have been. I might have said it to multiple people too. Uh, <laughs> I tend to repeat myself you know
0: you know i it, just on a total side note, you are so fast at trillo that i I can't even hope to keep up with you. <laughs> <laughs> you are shockingly quick at dragging things into the topics discuss column. Like the moment a word is halfway uttered, you've already dragged
1: it. over. <laughs> it's because I know that I'm saving us so much time on show notes later.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's, it's amazing to watch you do that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm very curious to see because I, I ultimately think that Marvel has done such a good job of tying all of these things together and even planning their next phase into phase four and phase five and, and having all these shows on Netflix, you know, um, it's funny because we, we, think of, we think of all of these different phases of the Marvel Universe um, and how finite some of these conclusions may feel. But a lot of these are just preparing for things that are ultimately gonna happen more in the future, which is interesting to me. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know where the 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 defenders go, what happens with Daredevil, um, you know, where they go with Luke Cage and Iron Fist and everything. so I mean, it's 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 cool that that these other characters that we've known to grow and we've we've grown to love um, in the movies have have taken their arcs as far as they've gone. But I really do think that that because they have done such a great job at at creating, such a complete universe that once these heroes have kind of had their time in the mcu that we're ultimately going to transition into an even cooler version of that moving forward and i think that dc has done the opposite and done such a terrible job (laughs) at it that i i i find i find myself not even halfway interested in in a justice league movie um And I, and I, I hate to say that because some of those characters are pretty beloved to me, you know, like the, the only thing, the only bright spot for me now is the, the DC, the DC shows, um, on, on the CW, like arrow and, and the flash. And ultimately, strangely, the Batman, the, the Ben Affleck, the Ben Affleck Batmans that are coming out, uh, beyond that, I don't even care. I don't care at all.
1: I heard Gotham's pretty fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. But it, there's the problem is there's no tie ins. The the, the the universe isn't cohesive, you know, mm-hmm. so there's there's no you, like, for example, when I watched Civil War, the Civil War was basically an Avengers movie. Um, but it was it was an Avengers movie with a much broader universe, like they're introducing Black Panther, for example, they're expanding on Wanda Maximoff. So, you know, Scarlet Witch gets a lot more 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 time on screen. And, and, and so the universe is really cohesive, and there's there's a lot of avenues for people to plug in characters that make sense within that universe. The DC universe, despite having bright spots that are are are, are individually crafted um, among these various shows, they have absolutely no way of tying them together. And I think that that's blatantly, it's it's just short sighted. Um, and I think that ultimately, that's the reason why Marvel is just going to completely dominate the landscape when it comes to comic book movies
1: for a while. I think at a certain point, uh, anything that gets bloated and overrun at a certain point will just, who knows what will happen. And it's its completely possible that they've set themselves up to a point where it's going to feather out to where it might not even be manageable. Um, I just, I think that uh, I wish when I, you know, like you mentioned the Justice League movie and I'm like, I, I wish that they would have done exactly what you're talking about. They're like, why not take, I don't know what the guy's name is. Who plays Flash on the TV show? But why wouldn't it be him? Sure. He, he's great. Exactly,
0: exactly, exactly.
1: And I know that they, it's all business on the back end and all of that stuff, but it would be cool. And I don't, I don't know why it doesn't happen more often. Um, this whole Marvel thing is huge, but I've heard rumors that it's even getting it more, more immense.
0: Well, yeah, because I mean, the the one guy controlling it all, uh, Kevin Feige, is is. I mean, I, I think he's brilliant. And I think that there's it's it's very games of Game of Thronesy in a way, um, in the sense that um, as big as you think some of the storylines are in the very beginning. like season one, season two, you think things are pretty big, but it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And as much as it seems completely unmanageable and so monumental in scope, somehow the creative team holds it all together really well. You know, like, for example, um the next phase uh, in the the MCU, Is going to include Doctor Strange, um, who's going to have his own trilogy apparently. Um, Black Panther, who is shaping up to be a really, really interesting character and almost a Tony Stark replacement in a weird kind of way. Um, And so, and Guardians of the Galaxy, which apparently in in version or in part two is going to get way bigger in scope. Um, I think that they're pulling it off really well. Like I thought, I thought. Civil War would be a giant convoluted mess just because there's so many different characters. But I think that the thing that you just mentioned where, you know, they've kept the same characters going for so long in these movies that you know them so well. You know, there's not a lot of backstory that's necessary. There's not a lot of character development that's necessary because all of these characters have already been developed. You know who they are and you've become very familiar with their motivations. So the Marvel Universe, because of how it's built, has given the creators within the, the 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 creative teams the ability to to tell stories without having to tell a lot of backstories, and I think that that's really really interesting and very unique within the MCU. You know,
1: yeah, but the rumor of the thing that's big that's happening is that Fox, Sony, and Marvel Entertainment are going oh, yeah, yeah. to come into a deal so that there will be crossovers between possibly the X Men and the Avengers. And Fantastic Four will be allowed in to play, which would
0: well, hopefully hopefully that happens because Kevin Feige has done such a better job of of managing the the Avengers side of the the Marvel comic universe that it would just be amazing to see him take the reins of the X Men as well. I mean, the I love Bryan Singer as a director, but he's got a few duds in there. And I mean, I hear that that um, Age of Apocalypse, even though I haven't seen it, I hear it's a giant mess. So I, I would love to have Kevin Feige just take the reins of the entire MCU and control all of it.
1: Yeah, because I've, I've heard that a lot of the talks are discussed and Fantastic Four is the one that comes up because every time they've done the Fantastic Four, it's been a flop. And Fox is just not good with that property. And and I think they've come to a point where they realize that they thought the last one was going to be A-OK and it didn't do well at all. So, I don't know. It it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's definitely it's definitely nothing anybody ever expected. <laughs> it's well, it's as, huge. As
0: a, as a comic book fan, it's kind of annoying, especially from the Fantastic 4 perspective because uh, you know, Reed Richards ultimately becomes a very important person in a lot of the storylines that the Avengers ultimately, um, you know, the, the Avengers are ultimately involved in. So it was really crappy to, to watch these bad versions of the Fantastic Four time after time after time. Like it's really disheartening to me as a comic book fan. So, you know, if, if they go into phase five or phase six and they start introducing the idea of secret wars, which is something that, that a storyline that runs in the comic books, Reed Richards and Dr. Doom actually end up playing huge parts in that, um, you know, even in the Infinity Gauntlet slash Infinity War, which is ultimately going to be the next Avengers chunk of the the movie franchise movie franchises, you know, Dr. Doom and. and and Reed Richards are in those two. So I'm very curious as to see how they're going to manage those storylines, leaving those pivotal, pivotal characters out of it. You know,
1: they've done it before. They've definitely done it before. I mean, there's always a way around it. That's, I mean, that's the thing that pisses off comic book fans, I think, but you know, who cares? (laughs) And
0: that's dumb. I, I agree with that. I think that's totally stupid. Like for, for me, I've been a comic book fan for most of my life and I, I know my comic books pretty well, but I also understand that when you're making movies and you're constructing storylines that are that are particular to the movies, they have to they have to be crafted differently because you don't have 180 issues of something to tell a backstory. Right. So. I don't care at all. And all of those people who hold on to these 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 ideas that characters are supposed to be true to a certain version of themselves. Like I mean, even if you look at a character like Iron Man or Captain America or Wolverine, even throughout their own publication histories they've changed dramatically. Totally. So which so which version of Wolverine is it that you're holding on to that makes it so that the version in the movies is ludicrous? You know what I mean? That's just so asinine of an idea to me that I, I Anyone who says that kind of stuff to me is someone I instantly tune out.
1: <laughs> I mean, what's what's the point of taking a comic book or a book and interpreting it into another f- format, into another medium, if all you're going to do is make it exactly the same? Exactly. Why not just stick with the book? And be like, hey, you really like the comic book. Keep reading it. Like, why make the movie?
0: And, you know, to be honest with you, too, and this is – I don't care how many comic book fans this pisses off. but a lot of comic books aren't good. You know, they have stints with writers that aren't great. Um, they have artists that aren't wonderful. So throughout the publication histories of a lot of these characters, they've taken some really crappy turns. Um, and so with the the Marvel comic universe, there there is a certain sense of responsibility that you have in crafting a character that's better because you literally only have two hours to do it. So to be honest with you, in almost every version that I've seen of a comic book character, like let's say Captain America, for example, Throughout his publication history, there have been some bright, shining moments in that character's development, and I think that they've been great. But if you took the, the, the summation of all of those, those various storylines and arcs and combined them, I still don't think they're as good as how they were crafted in the MCU. Um, the, the Marvel comic universe has created such a tight narrative for all of these characters. That I don't think any comic book throughout its convoluted history could come even close to crafting a backstory, a present story, or a future story as good as the Marvel comic universe has.
1: And there's one thing that I would actually say uh, the opposite of as far as Batman goes. Uh, no, even though there have been some good Batman movies, none of them have touched how awesome Batman is in the comics.
0: Oh, that's true. That's definitely true. There's
1: there, there's a then that that's like an exact opposite in the sense, like I'd never thought about that before, but there's such an amazing complexity to Batman that there, there's no time to do it in a movie.
0: Sure. sure. Not even, I, in think, a, I actually think Chris Nolan's version got pretty close though.
1: It's a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so much more though sure. that that relationship with, I mean, you could make three movies of the relationship of him and the Joker. And sure. just barely begin to touch it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They captured a good good amount of the important stuff with the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, that relationship about, you know, like, I don't want to kill you because you're, I need you. I think that maybe that's what pisses comic book fans off is because even though, yeah, we might go through a couple of years of a, a crappy writer and a crappy artist or whatever, they still care because it's the trajectory of the character. Sure. I I don't know. I don't think I know anybody that's a long-term hardcore comic fan at least that I've ever had a conversation with in the sense that like I've been reading Captain America for 30 years and I don't miss, you know, I don't miss an issue and this is the trajectory. I don't know anybody that does that. Um there are people that do that for sure. And there's no doubt about that. My uncle was like that with Superman. And those are the, probably the people that are that are getting pissed off. No. Nah i
0: mean i i'm like that with the x-men um i you know i was an x-men fan for a good 15 20 years and i will tell you that that i separate the two universes completely i understand and it might be because i have a writer's sensibility but i understand that stories can't be told the same way in different mediums you know so for me the i separate the two you know like when i read the harry potter books and watch the movies for example i treat them as two completely different entities um and also you know i've read the game of thrones books and and i compare it to the show and it's it's it it has similar plot points. I mean, sure, the, the the story is kind of headed in the same direction, but it's a completely different medium. So you have to tell stories differently. Not only that, but in, 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 and, and, and the, the Game of Thrones books are huge books. They are huge. Um, and so, you know, there are characters that are left out and there are certain places that are left out of the show that are in the books. And I know that there are plenty of fans that complain about that kind of stuff, but it's just not physically possible to tell that story the same way.
1: And see, I haven't read all of the Game of Thrones books. I've only read the first one. Um, But in my very limited experience, I can tell you this, and people are going to be shocked to hear this. I think the show's better.
0: I agree with that, actually. It's more succinct. It's more tight. Um, The books are actually kind of convoluted um, at points, and there's a lot of fluff that at least I feel is unnecessary. You know, There are characters that get focused on in the books that are basically side characters that that suffer unceremonious deaths that have absolutely zero consequence to the ultimate plot. And I think that the show did a a very good job of chopping out a lot of the fluff and just making a really tight story.
1: Yeah, there's there's something about the flow of that book that I was like, just certain things where it's like this, you know, in my head, I'm thinking this scene is too long.
0: Yeah, they're all like that. Every single one, and it gets worse into the other books too.
1: <laughs> and some of the characters, like the way that they are in the books, I'm like, I I don't like this. Like Ned Stark, I don't like in the book. He's kind yeah. of a, he's kind of a dick. And Caitlin, I Caitlin Stark, I hated in the book the way she treats Jon Snow and the way she thinks about him. Like I didn't like her as a character at all. And in the show, I loved both of them.
0: Yeah, but I kind of, I, I mean, there's, there's because he's the bastard son, you know what I mean? So I, I, I actually kind of understood that when it came to Caitlin in the books. Um, you know, she's he's a constant reminder of his, of her husband cheating on her, basically. You know, so, so I guess from that perspective, I get it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I hear you. I mean, I, 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 I kind of tend to disagree on that one just because I do, I do like the characters in the books a little bit more. Um or at least certain characters, like Ned Stark, for example. I didn't mind him that much just because, you know, in, in, in the books, he's a very principled guy. And in the show, they touch on that a little bit, but not to the degree that they do in the books. Um, so you can kind of understand why some of his choices lead him to getting, well, I don't want to throw that spoiler out there, but lead him to his ultimate fate. You know what I mean?
1: Right. I don't know. Maybe it, it just didn't click with me. I, sure. Just some of the yeah. characters, even like, Tyrion had a weird has a weird thing to him in the. He's not as charismatic in the books.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, I like Tyrion. I I definitely like Tyrion's character, um, in the the show much much more. Peter Dinklage is amazing. That guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's. I just think he's one of those actors that is finally getting his due that he's deserved probably for far too long.
0: Sure, and he's and he his his version of Tyrion is is akin to me to, um, Alan Rickman's version of Snape. Um, In that, you know, he defines that character to me now. When I think of Tyrion Lannister, I cannot picture another human being in the world being that character. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: That's that's a sign of good casting. Absolutely. Oh, well, let's see. Well, we got a few minutes left. Anything you want to throw out?
0: Well, we haven't touched much on uh, what we're reading or what we're listening to. um, And I think that... Both you and I should definitely talk about what we're listening to because that new Radiohead album is absolutely amazing.
1: Oh, I think I've listened to it like twenty times already.
0: Oh, easily, yeah. I mean, I I played around of golf earlier this week where I basically had headphones on and I listened to it pretty much four times in a row continuously.
1: And then, like we've we've talked about this before, where there were certain albums where I was like, "Meh," you know. Yeah. And, yeah. But and I was part of me, and I will be honest, part of me wasn't really like. Woo, awesome new Radiohead album coming out. Like I didn't really care because I kind of expected it to be another meh mm-hmm. and it's not to me. It's I think it's a, a beautiful, cohesive. It's 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 one of their best albums in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think I personally think, and this is me being a disturbingly huge Radiohead fan. Um, I think it's their best album since the bends. I actually find it better than OK Computer, um in a in a weird kind of way um just because for me it has it, there's there's a weird narrative through line to the album and i don't think they've ever done that as well in any album um so yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And not only that, but they they redid one of my favorite songs, um, "True Love Waits," mm-hmm. and they did it with Tom York on a piano. And it's just it's just haunting. It's just unbelievably good. It's the version of the song that I've always wanted to hear. And because I'm a piano player, it's the version that I've tried to play on my own a few times. He just did a way better version of my version of his song.
1: <laughs> yeah, with the with the left hand carrying down the constant, but then the uh, right hand just doing nothing but chaos
0: yeah just absolute chaos it's unbelievable it's so good and yeah, and i I'm, I'm i'm actually very curious as to whether or not they're going to do the thing that you mentioned uh you know in our previous conversation about the album as to whether or not they're going to live up to that promise that they made uh at the end of ok computer
1: yeah i mean they've already made two videos so i mean it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to go ahead and do a video for all the other ones
0: and by the way they're both fantastic videos
1: <laughs> yeah i mean we've talked about the other the first one before but um the second one, I mean it's Paul Thomas Anderson. And it's it's such a simple concept of Tom York walking through a door and showing up in another room, you know, another place mm-hmm. in another stairwell. Yeah. And continuously, continuously. Such a simple concept, but it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, and but you know, it's not just the concept, it's it's the shockingly good execution. Um and the, the the almost stoic nature in which Tom York is is going from place to place that defines that video for me and and it doesn't hurt that the song is absolutely incredible and goes very very well with the video on top of that even down to the very ending with that that odd drone with Tom York's you know lateral face staring through a fire i mean there's just something just so haunting about that video from top to bottom
1: yeah it's in- incredible we def- we definitely have to put it in the show notes
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, I it, I kind of want to jump to something that's completely off topic, but I wanted to ask you about like what do you think about, you know, Spider Man being rebooted yet again, um, Ghostbusters being rebooted, it, it, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles being rebooted. What is, what are, what are at what point is it going to stop and 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 we're going to come up with something original again? You know,
1: it's never going to stop. It's just going to get worse and worse. But, I mean, I understand the spider went spider-man one i understand because sure. spider-man is going to be tied into the marvel universe now so they had to do it yeah um from mm-hmm. that perspective ghostbusters i can understand um i th- the the thing about the ghostbusters i would say that i actually think is cool is that it's all female um but also at the same time i'm not sure to me i wouldn't have done it as a reboot and i'm not positive it is a reboot um, yeah
0: it is
1: if if it's a reboot it's dumb because yeah. the first one's so great. But if it is a continuation of that story, you know, if the, if these women are inspired by them, you know, like that both exist in this universe, that makes uh-huh. I think that's 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 totally cool. Um, but from, and it has a, it has a much better chance of success
0: if that's the case too.
1: From the look of the casting, though, it looks like they're trying to replicate the first one. Sure. Like okay, we need one African American, we need one person with crazy hair that's. Uh, you know, like they just it's it's like they're literally choosing, okay, you're you're egon. We're not gonna call you egon, but you're egon. Um and that that might be weird. I can't really say until I see it. It might be amazing. I hope it is. I do. Yeah. Um what was the other reboot you brought up? Oh, Ninja Turtles. That's gonna happen forever.
0: I, I, well it, it's it's so unmemorable, um, that I think that it's pretty easy. I mean, Michael Bay is just I these all of these movies are crash, cash grabs. I mean, you, you know, it's it's basically the same thing as the Transformers series. They're they're taking a part of our a slice of our childhoods and hoping that we have enough of a connection to it to go see the movies regardless of how horrible they might be.
1: <laughs> Overall, what I would say about the Ninja Turtles reboot is the same thing I would say about every G.I. Joe movie that they've made. The original was awful. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that we loved. Was awful. So okay. there's nothing. There's no legacy there that's being ruined. It's like when they remade the Dukes of Hazard, and people were like, "I can't believe they did this." Have you gone back and watched the Dukes of Hazard? It's awful. Yeah, it's awful. Like Knight Rider was not good either. So yeah. to, to remake things that weren't good in quality, they might have been successful, and we might have loved them. We're entitled to love things that aren't great, especially sure. when we're children. But these things don't have a legacy. Ghostbusters was great. It is still a good movie. I just watched it recently, and I I loved it more now than I did then.
0: So many iconic lines from that movie. I remember the one that just popped into my head was Bill Murray's, This chick is toast. I just have that in my
1: head now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's so much in that movie. And Sigourney Weaver is so hot.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Her is the, uh, was she the gatekeeper or the key master? Gate I not remember. Keeper,
1: I believe. Yeah. Cause Rick Moranis was the key master.
0: That's right. And the, uh, whole, you know, if someone asks you if you are a God, you say yes. <laughs> Classic line. <laughs> I, that, I've got to get that on the t-shirt somewhere. That's such a good line.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it's been made. Look oh, on, it, sure. look on sure. Etsy.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> Who is Andrew Apple pie, by the way? I've been staring at that note for like four
1: days. Um, so that's uh, a lot of the Casey Neistat videos. A lot of the really fun music. Um, I mean, he has like three or four guys that he goes to, like Jeff Kale and a few others. Um, but Andrew Applepie is one of the big ones. Um, he's, I think, he's used almost all of Andrew Applepie's music at one point or another. And I think mean, the guy's music is so fun and so well done. And I, I decided, you know, I, I, like I mentioned before, I'm not doing streaming. I'm buying albums now. I'm like, I'm gonna buy this guy's album. I'm gonna that that's why that's why he's you know that probably that's the reason that he agreed to have his music used in these uh, YouTube videos. So uh, maybe I should contribute to that by giving him some money. And,
0: and that's and that's the way you're supposed to do it. I like that. I like that.
1: It's 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 just the way it makes sense. And we we've, we've all forgot that with the streaming thing. And it's, it's not about us getting what we want. It's about supporting creators. Going back to our Patreon thing from last week. But it's a great album. I, I would recommend anybody anybody that's watched um, multiple Casey Neistat videos and has liked the music. You've probably heard Andrew Appleby. And you've probably heard some of the songs that are on this album. It's the self-titled album. and I, I just had a lot of fun listening to it. And that's what I was listening to. to I bought the radio ad.
0: Yeah. You know, it's 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 it, ever since we started talking about the Patreon thing, um, which, by the way, we we have a Patreon now. So uh, anyone who wants to contribute to to us or giving us better tools by which to create a better show for you or create more content for you, uh, please go check our our Patreon site out. Um, but one of the things that that really sticks out to me is the the whole supporting the artists again. Um, you know, I, I take for granted the fact that, like, you know, when it comes to to how. Um, Spotify and the rest of these streaming services work that it's very convenient for me, but it's not very convenient for or or lucrative for the artists that are involved. Like I, I remember talking to quite a few of our friends who are in the music world um and who are producing music saying that it's just it's 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 an infinitesimal amount of money that they make from these streaming services so you know for anyone who out there who has any of the streaming services um if you really like an album um take the time and go and buy the album from the artists themselves just so they can continue making great content because otherwise guys like andrew you know apple pie cannot continue to make cool stuff for you so please do that
1: we need to all go back to that and focus on it and let's 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 remind ourselves that when itunes came out it was a big deal about how little money the artists made from itunes because it was a smaller percentage than what they made selling albums physical albums Mm -hmm. and streaming is even less than that
0: and it's way less by the way
1: (laughs) it's it's literally like you have to listen to the song about a hundred times for them to make a nickel
0: yeah yeah it's 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 ridiculous
1: and and it's it's you know like YouTube. It's it's impossible to make good money on YouTube unless you're the size of Casey Neistat or larger. And streaming sure. is even worse than that, because I I mean I th- I think you make a dollar on YouTube for every thousand views. Sure, <laughs> that's just incredible, incredible.
0: Yeah. And and I mean to be honest with you, like I I. I mean, I understand. And I mean, I understand that the the world is uh, different now and the landscape is different. And we've we've taken the the chunk of money that we would have spent towards buying albums and we've diverted to other things. But I really do think that in order to make it so that artists and not just the big ones, you know, and I think that's that's where that's where that's where the, the, the disparity is the most obvious is that you know, for for people like Lady Gaga or Radiohead or whoever they are, and you know, people who get billions of views or or listens anyway, it's not that consequential. But anyone who's on the bubble, you know, anyone who gets 20 or 30,000 listens a month or something like that is can greatly benefit from having a person go and buy their album. That means that they can continue to make content and not have to get, you know, day jobs where they're not focused on creating cool content for you. So I definitely think that it's really important to to take that back um, and to give some control and put it and responsibility and put it back into the listenership and the fans. Um, you know if you like someone, go support them and, and make a real effort towards doing that, not just downloading their album on on Spotify once you have a subscription. you know
1: yeah, don't be a digital mooch
0: yeah, don't be a digital mooch. go out there and, and, and support people for real or, or don't claim that you like an artist because at the end of the day if, if you if you claim that you like an artist, you better prove it. Put your money where your mouth is so that they can put some food in their mouth. <laughs>
1: Because we need them. Yeah.